They call me the wolf. I fix things. On my desk is a large desert scorpion encased in lucite. And on the wall behind my desk is a large framed black and white photo of a group of desert rats holding dangerous weapons held up by a long black silk banner that reads swift, deadly, and silent. Here is my general outlook on life. The world is full of broken people, lonely people, and hungry people. It's part of the natural order of things, but splints, casts, and so-called miracle drugs, and even time itself, cannot mend broken hearts, wounded minds, or spirits torn asunder, let alone a perpetually empty belly. As Charlie Chaplin once said, in the end, everything is just a gag. He apparently was an optimist by nature. Me? Not so. I'd always had a lot of trouble finding a silver lining in every cloud or a pot of gold at the end of every rainbow. In other words, I may have read fiction or watched it on the screen, but I didn't live it. I tried my best to remain in a virtual state of reality, no matter how hard times were to deal with. It all seems like a lifetime ago now. Then again, when you've spent half your life chasing ghosts, you tend to lose track of time in the sense that most of us experience it. That, along with having been a career alcoholic and pill popper, tends to cloud a person's mind just a tad bit. After so many lost years go by like a blur. And God forbid you keep drinking excessively, because you could end up being a wino. The only difference between an alcoholic and a wino is that an alcoholic can afford to drink with a roof over his head. I used to be fascinated by winos because I had come so close to becoming one myself. And a wino starts off being a regular guy, walking through a sick world, trying not to get shit on his shoes. So he drinks a little. Then he drinks a lot. Then he loses his job first. Then his family. And then his house. Then not too much later, he's a broken toilet of a man, who's living in a cardboard box and drinking cheap wine out of a paper bag with monies begged from strangers on the street. Finally... All he wants is a little space, somewhere he can lay back in the shadows and drink and be left alone to die. But even that is denied to him. The wino sinks so low on the scum scale that he doesn't even need to know the time of day. And half the time he doesn't even know where he is. He worries about that, but not very much. The winos are a missing link. Not with man's past, but with man's future. A visible transitional link between the living and the dead. Post-Holocaust men, men with bad teeth and bad breath that could knock a buzzard off a crap wagon. Men with livers and kidneys in worse state of preservation than the vital organs of the prehistoric mastodons scientists dig out of icebergs. Luckily for me, I didn't end up that way, but I came close. Another theory is that alcohol dependency can be hereditary. A person can just be born with an alcoholic gene in their blood, and after many generations of alcoholics have tainted every last limb of the family tree, it's just inevitable that a person will follow in their father's footsteps. For me, though, it's been a choice I've made on my own. My father was the kind of guy you'd picture as a model for an old Norman Rockwell painting. A guy sitting on a porch in his old rocking chair, smoking a corncob pipe and reading a copy of National Geographic or Arizona Highways. But you'd never see an old hound dog laying next to that rocking chair. No, my father hated pets around the house. It took me three weeks to beg him to let me have a goldfish. 
And yet he still complained about the fish shit smell coming from the tank. When you slam down a case of Pat's Blue Ribbon a day and have the demeanor of an angry pit bull, you always find something to complain about. Now my mother, that was another story entirely. I loved my mother the only way a son could love a mother. According to her, her own twisted logic, and that's all there is to say about that. The whispers that I heard, the sideways glances, those were just small-minded people looking to stir up resentment, but my dad listened to them. Yes, he did. And as I became a man, I became more paranoid, more suspicious. My mom and I might go out for a bite to eat, or maybe a movie, and dad would sit in the kitchen, drinking and waiting. He also had a hell of a temper, and if he suspected, just suspected, that mom was being unfaithful, well... He wasn't opposed to pressing a lit cigarette against her thigh. Sometimes he would grab her by the ponytail and smash her face against the coffee table just to make sure, you know? Then mom got pregnant. That was a hell of a thing. It could have been anybody. Tim Walker, Jeb Pooley, Pastor Duncan, maybe even dad himself. 